Hi, and welcome to NACIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock, still working at home in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Matt Pincus, coming to you live from my home office in our nation's capital. On today's episode, we're very excited to be speaking with Tennessee CIO Stephanie Dedman. Stephanie has been CIO in Tennessee since October 2018. Prior to being appointed CIO, she was deputy CIO and has worked in Tennessee state government for 15 years. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Amy. It's nice to be here. So, Stephanie, let's start our conversation by going a little bit back in time. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up as the state CIO for Tennessee? Sure. I'm probably a little unusual in that I have actually only had two employers my entire career. I started out in the private sector with Accenture and was there for 15 years. Um, And then I came to the state to lead our ERP implementation as a project director. That was in 2005. And over the course of, of my career, just moved into different roles in IT, project management, building new teams, As you mentioned in the intro, Mark Bingle, my predecessor, came to me and said I was his succession plan, basically, that he hoped to retire one day and he wanted time to groom the the CIO that that he would recommend step into his shoes. And so he made me his deputy CIO in um, November of 2015. And I had uh, about three years uh, while Mark was still here to learn more about our organization and all of the services that that we provide. During that time, we were also going through a consolidation of moving the agency IT staff into our central IT group. I became CIO in early October of 2018, and it was great to be able to be in that deputy role and have the time to learn. I know that's not a luxury that many of my peers in other states have, and so I was very appreciative of that time. So that's a little bit about me and how I came to be in this role. No, that's great. And, you know, I know we've really enjoyed being able to hear you discuss some of your initiatives in Tennessee on CIO calls and NACIO executive committee meetings, which I should probably mention you are a member of, and also at our conferences. But we do want to you briefly discuss some of your efforts focused on workforce as state governments continue to struggle to recruit and retain top employees. Would you talk about this particular initiative that you've taken such a you know strong passion to? Sure, I'd love to. And actually, when I in the in the first months, really um, me being appointed to the role with my leadership team kind of created um, several strategic initiatives. And one of those was workforce development uh, because of the challenges you mentioned. And we formed a team within the IT organization, asked for volunteers and really told the team, you know, we wanted to when we wanted their ideas on recruiting and retention and career satisfaction. And so some of the things that that work group focused on, one was professional certifications and working with our Department of Human Resources to get approval to compensate people who achieve certain IT uh, certifications that are critical to their jobs. And so that was really beneficial for a number of our staff and greatly appreciated. We've also focused on what new training initiatives that we need to provide, recognizing that you know technology changes quite frequently. Over the years, many of you have heard about our IT Academy, but it was really recognizing that in addition to classroom and online training, we needed more point-in-time training. And so we've looked at other ways to provide 
kind of very specific, what do I need at this point in time and how do I go from an entry level to an advanced level? Um, so we've provided access to some additional training. And then a third area that I'll mention is just career development. I think to retain people in this competitive market, we need to show them that advancing their careers is important to us. The employee still needs to take the initiative and own that, but um, we've been working on and, and still have a ways to go, but working on how do we formalize career development and make it a supervisor employee discussion that happens you know, at least quarterly to give our employees direction and support in developing their careers. So that's just a few things that that workforce committee worked on to help improve our recruiting and retention. Do you think you're, are you guys seeing tangible results? I mean, from, from these efforts? We're seeing great feedback and appreciation from our workforce. Our retention is lower. Of course, you know, over the last few months, that's hard to say whether that's primarily from the job market at the time, but sure. we are seeing an increased level of retention. Yes. I can't say that I can quote the numbers, but in looking right. at it, we see positive movement. Yes. No, that's great. So, Stephanie, as you probably know, we've been focusing the vast recent majority of our podcasts on how state CIOs have been dealing with the ongoing pandemic. So looking at COVID-19 from an IT perspective, what has your team been focusing on and what would you say is the biggest challenge right now or biggest challenges? You know, early on, our team, a large part of our team was really focused on how to get more employees set up to work from home. You guys have heard me talk about our our state has had a formal work from home program for quite some time. So we were in a, in a positive situation that almost a third of our workforce was already working from home in some capacity, maybe not full time. But quickly, the governor and others on his team, you know, were saying, how many people can we get home and productive and what do we need? And so technology became a key piece of that. So early on, that was our focus, um, getting more equipment, the other technology support structures, VPN, Jabber, other collaboration and communication tools, getting those ordered, established, people trained and, and supporting them and how to use the technology that they may not have used before. Other things we focused on were, honestly, the sheer call volumes that um, a number of our departments were receiving for services, as you would guess, our Department of Labor and Workforce Development, and then our Department of Human Services on the um, TANF and SNAP side. Um, And so it was just really working with some of the vendor partners to get enhanced call center technology and additional resources to help with the volume of calls. I think now our challenge will just be changing how we deliver service. I I think the questions will come our way of what other services can we put online? How can we leverage more technology? It's a challenge just in terms of being innovative. We can do it and we will. It's just um, making the time to have those discussions and think creatively to bring some new ideas and ways to deliver services to our state agencies. Yeah, absolutely. And I should also mention that Stephanie is co-chair of our NASIO National Innovation Forum. So I have no doubt you will find some innovative solutions. (laughs) So speaking of the pandemic, Tennessee was hit with back-to-back disasters this spring. First, you had a tornado that hit East and Middle Tennessee at the beginning of March, which we know hit a little too close to home for you. I know there is some damage to your apartment building. So I hope things are getting better since you probably have been at home a lot lately. (laughs) 
And then in mid-March, the pandemic shut everything down. So these are two really different types of disasters that require different types of business continuity plans. Can you talk a little bit about those experiences, both from your personal and professional perspective? And also, what's the same and what's different in responding to those two types of disasters? Yeah, those are good questions. And we like to somewhat joke that we we had a bit of a dry run for the pandemic based on the tornado, though they are different, as you point out. You know, for us during the tornado, so one of our data centers, it was not hit, thankfully, but it was very close and so lost power to the tornado that went through downtown Nashville. And so our initial and really for the first week response was about emergency communications and letting our workforce know and others, our stakeholders, that the data center had uh, generator power, but we did not come on site for the first week to enable us to to get power back on, or not us, but the (laughs) National Electric Service. And so we did leverage some emergency communication tools that we had in place, um, which made it very easy for us to communicate with our workforce via both phone calls, emails, and text. Uh, to keep them updated. Yes, so personally, we we were in an apartment building um, that was hit and had to evacuate. We're in the middle of building a house. And so we actually have been living with my dad. And it's it's been quite a blessing in the middle of the pandemic to be with him and not be isolated from him. Yeah. Um, and so then switching to the pandemic, you know, as I mentioned, that that response has been more about services and equipment. I think the things that are similar is just keeping a calm demeanor and a, and a calm, trying to keep a calm demeanor <laughs> with my leadership team and, and with our stakeholders to let them know, you know, we, we knew what needed to be done. We had a plan. We were putting the plan in place and then just communicating on a regular basis to let both the workforce, our workforce, as well as our stakeholders and customers know what to expect, what was coming and you know what we could do and what was going to take a little bit more time. So those are the things that were similar about the two disasters. I guess the differences would be that you know the, the tornado was shorter term in nature in terms of, of responsiveness. And obviously this, you know, the pandemic is turning out to be longer term than probably, certainly than we would all hope and longer than most of us expected probably as well. But some parallels for sure. And I will say, you know, I think it does prove that having a plan in place as well as the tools to lean on when you need them are what, you know, what save you in the end. That's great. So shifting gears just a little bit, there's been interest, as you know, recently from Capitol Hill and looking at IT modernization initiatives in the States. Obviously these are costly and don't happen overnight. Can you talk about some of your ongoing efforts in Tennessee to replace and update some of your legacy systems both from a technical and non-technical standpoint. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to find out is how much of a challenge and a process are these types of things? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I, you know, for us, um, there's a couple of things that we're doing that I'll share. So we do still have a number of agency business applications that are on the mainframe, as much as I hate to <laughs> say that. Um, <laughs> we have a an initiative, a mainframe retirement initiative, where we are tracking and have an inventory of all the applications and are really just planning the priority of replacing them, whether they need to be replaced, retired. So couple that with our cloud initiative in figuring out when and what goes to the cloud, either as part of a modernization effort or replacement, or in what in some cases might be a lift and shift. 
And so it's really kind of a, a coalescing of several initiatives into prioritizing what we focus on first, second, third, while some things can be done in parallel. Some examples of some of those larger initiatives. So our Department of Human Services is is replacing a very old legacy application for TANF and SNAP childcare and modernizing that. That has been in the planning works and all the federal approvals that are required for quite some time. The contracts are getting finalized and the work is beginning. A lot of technical work has gone into what are all the tools that the state needs to procure and getting those in place. Our Department of Labor will probably also be modernizing our unemployment insurance system, which during the pandemic, we had experienced some uh, performance issues. And so knowing that had we already modernized in the cloud, uh, we could have avoided some of the strife and, and delays in uh, processing unemployment insurance in our state. That has now been addressed and payments are going out. The thing that's hard for most of our business customers to understand, as you sort of alluded to, Matt, is just these things take a, a while, you know, to do to do the procurement appropriately, to decide the approach, you know, whether it's you know software as a service or outsourcing or or going to the cloud as we will pick up steam and and move more and more things to the cloud. And so the hard part is the communication and helping everyone understand why they take a while and the facilitating the discussions to arrive at the best approach. But but this is where that whole CIO as a broker comes in and just, you know, I think my job and, and that of my executive team will more and more be about who can do a, a function or a service or provide a service better, cheaper, faster. And if state employees is the answer, then great. And if vendor community is the answer, well, that's great too. We still have a role to make sure it gets delivered and managed appropriately. But that I think will be the balancing act going forward for people in my position. You've been CIO for about a year and a half now. Do you have a piece of key advice or lesson learned that you can impart on your fellow colleagues? I do. One is to leverage the NACIO one, the NACIO organization itself and all the all the wonderful information and support equally is to leverage the members, the 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 fellow state CEOs and deputies and CISOs. You know, I'm as you point out, 18 months in and I'm not a long in the tooth yet. Um, I hope to be, but one of the things I've tried to do is to at least take, you know, one or two ideas that other states are doing. And, you know, take that back to my governor and the governor's office and say, how about we do enterprise data analytics? Here's the benefits. Here's what I'm hearing. We're not doing it yet. Here's what I think the benefits are. And here's a plan, a potential high level plan of action. I mean, that's what I plan to do every year from NACIO is is at least come back with, if not one or more, you know, initiatives, try to continuously bring innovative ideas and different thinking. And if if every other year one of those sticks, probably, you know, it's, it's maybe not batting a thousand, but it's, you know, it's maybe batting 500, which is pretty good. And I, I just think that CIO, as we've talked about today, CIOs really need to be about innovative ideas and and new ways of providing services and, and you know, working with our vendor partners to understand the best way to do that. Great. All right. So, Stephanie, finally, to end our conversation with you today, we would like to ask you a series of questions in the lightning round. 
And okay. we're gonna I'm gonna ask you three quick questions about you and your life outside of work. Are you ready? I'm ready. All righty. So Nashville is known as the music city. What band or artist would you most want to see perform when things return to normal? Well, that's an easy one because we have tickets to see the Rolling Stones. It was supposed oh. to be this Wednesday. Oh, my <laughs> um, God. And I'm, I'm hoping that it gets rescheduled in, in the fall and we can still um, see the Rolling Stones. <laughs> that is definitely a bucket list band that everyone should have an opportunity to see. It's It was to be outdoors at the Titan Stadium. So 68,000 fans yelling for the Stones is pretty momentous. <laughs> pretty cool. So hopefully hopefully they can get that rescheduled. Um, yes. Question number two. We are coming up on Memorial Day weekend, although I'm not sure how it's going to feel much different than a normal Monday. So have to ask you, what is your favorite holiday and why? I probably would say Thanksgiving because it is, you know, kind of a kickoff to the the long holiday season. It's about family and food and being together right. and giving thanks. Agree with you a hundred percent on that one. And last question in the lightning round, aside from work, which we know you are very busy with, what are you doing to keep sane and active during these scary and uncertain times? You know, and a- Amy, we were talking earlier about glad that if this had to happen, it was during warmer weather because of the winter being cooped up all winter, but I- I'm actually a runner. And so I've been so happy that I could still get outside at least most days and either go for a run or a walk. That's been my saber. It actually, it always is. It keeps me sane and generally pretty focused and calm down. I will say I've taken up yoga during all this and trying to do yoga two or three times a week as well. Good. Very good. Any any advice on the on the yoga for our listeners? <laughs> I would say try not to take it too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Fair right. enough. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate getting to talk with you and I hope we get to see you in person one of these days soon. I certainly hope so. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Nacio Voices. We look forward to bringing you another new episode with some scintillating conversation two weeks from today. Stay safe. And if you want to catch up on any of our previous podcasts, you can find them at nasio.org in our resource center on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or anywhere you get podcasts.